Welcome, Calvary Vista family, to our Wednesday evening service, and to our guests all around the world that are viewing, welcome. We are so excited uh, to be here tonight to share God's word, and uh, I'm just privileged to share God's word with you this evening. You know, it's an understatement to say that we are living in interesting times, but we know that God is still on the throne and he's still at work. You know, we have been reflecting about, you know, what God is doing, and I think globally, God is revealing and exposing idols and hearts that are far from him. I believe that God is tearing down strongholds in people's lives and shaking things up so that we would come to a simple relationship with him and with others. God is moving powerfully all around the world, and he is redeeming brokenness for his glory. And I believe the Lord will continue to work and glorify himself, and I can't wait to see just how faithful he will reveal himself to be and and how he'll work out everything for our good and his glory. But until then, I think that in this global quarantine, that we will find ourselves in a place or places of temptation to turn back and in places of giving up because our new routines will start to take a heavy toll in all areas of our lives. I think that we'll be hearing of and seeing a lot of death all around us. I think that we'll begin to feel the weight of others' sorrows and discomfort. I think that we'll need to be ready to really be the church and the extension of God's love to a hurting world that is experiencing so much pain. And, you know, talking and praying with other pastors, we feel that in our community, the overarching, uh, overarching theme of this new season of quarantine will be, to be, will be to be steadfast and immovable and abounding in the work of the Lord. And I think, I believe, the new characteristic of Christ-likeness that God wants to develop in all of our hearts is the characteristic of godly perseverance. With our time this evening, I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, And we'll study verse 1 together. So Hebrews 2, verse 1. And as you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we remember that the book of Hebrews is written to a people group, believers, who were facing the temptation to turn back and stop following Jesus Christ. And wherever you're at, if you're able, would you stand with me in reverence to God's word as we read, as I read Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. The Holy Spirit records through the author of Hebrews, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Once again, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. A word of prayer. Father, once again, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful that you are on the throne that you're seated in the heavens at the right hand of the majesty on high, and you're ruling and reigning and sustaining all things by the word of your power. We come before you humbly together at home, and we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would minister to us, that you would instill in us this perseverance that we so desire to have for you. Lord, bless our homes, bless our families, bless this world. Lord, we need a touch of heaven here on earth. And we ask in this time that you would tune our ears and our hearts to hear your still small voice and that we would be ministered to by the comforter, your Holy Spirit. Please be glorified. Please disciple us and teach us your ways, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
You know, uh, I, I was so privileged to study and graduate from Calvary Chapel Bible College in Murrieta, California. Uh, I was so blessed to then come on staff after I graduated and serve there for 10 years, teaching various classes and overseeing discipleship programs and meeting awesome young men and women who challenged and inspired me in my walk with the Lord. And as I look back and recall many of my closest friends that I've served with over the years, I do feel a sense of sadness because many of them have stopped serving the Lord completely And some have even denied the faith and have not held fast to their confession of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, many have continued to serve the Lord, which is awesome. And many have become pastors and missionaries all around the world. And for those friends, I'm so thankful for, and I'm filled uh, with joy when I think of them. But for my other friends who have fallen away, I ask myself, why? Why didn't they stay strong in their relationship with the Lord? You know, why didn't they reach out for help? And why didn't they practice the very things that they preached? Well, the reality is, I'm learning this more and more, that our enemies, the flesh, the world, and the devil himself, are crafty deceivers. You know, they are constantly trying to steal, kill, and destroy us to keep us from experiencing the fullness of what God has for us here on earth. Tonight, in our time, our goal is to honor Jesus by learning how to persevere, to keep on keeping on, by taking heed according to God's word. So again, our goal for this evening is to honor Jesus, the one who died for us, our Savior and our Lord, to learn how to persevere by taking heed according to his word. And to help us in our goal this evening, I've mapped out three things to outline our time together. The first thing that we want to look at is a warning. And this is a warning of drifting. The second thing is a word of instruction and how we're supposed to give heed to the things that we have heard. And lastly, we'll close with a wonderful grace and an application for our lives. And just at the start, I want to tell you that there's going to be a lot of verses referenced, and I don't have a lot of time to go through each verse, so please take your pen and your uh, papers out or your laptops and take notes or your phones and take notes and write down those verse references to study on your own time. Let's talk about our first thing, a warning. This is a warning of drifting. And this is what I've learned about drifting. Drifting from the Lord is natural, but it is not helpful. Drifting from the Lord is natural, but it is not helpful. You know, sometimes natural abilities can be helpful. You know, for example, I'm a natural, I'm a natural extrovert, and that helps me being a pastor because much of my calling is in front of an audience, and I don't mind public speaking. You know, so that's a natural ability that is helpful. But this natural default of drifting is not helpful. Drifting from the Lord is harmful, and it's harmful to our relationship with God, and therefore it's harmful to our relationship with others. Interestingly, this word drift here in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, the Greek word is parareo, and it's only used once in the New Testament, and it's found here in this verse. This word has the idea of being washed away to flow by or to slip away. And it has the idea of being in the sea and being carried off by the current. Another thing I know about drifting is that I don't have to do anything to begin drifting. All I have to do is to exist. You know, drifting is a natural default. 
Because of our sinful nature, we are naturally set to be against God. We're naturally set to be against his word. And in the Christian's life, there is a war happening every moment between our flesh and the spirit. We know this because Pastor Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, Galatians 5, 17, for our flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So Paul tells us that there is a battle between our natural tendencies and the spirit who is in us. I know this about drifting, that it happens slowly but surely, and over time, if not corrected, can have devastating effects. So I ask myself often, am I drifting? You know, how do you know you are drifting? And, and simply put, I've heard it said, if you're not moving towards Christ, you're automatically sliding back. I hate that, but it's so true. If you're not moving towards Christ, you're automatically sliding back. You know, you know you're drifting when you lose sight of your landmark. You know, if you're swimming in the beach and you have an umbrella on the beach and you know how far you are, if you drifted away, if you examine how far away you are from that umbrella that you started out from, you know you're drifting when you lose sight of your landmark. And as believers, our landmark is intimacy with Christ. It's that place of fruitful abiding and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's that place where we can confidently say like David in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's the heart that is close to Jesus. It's also like the psalmist in Psalm 91 verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. So if that's kind of the model for a life that is intimate with Christ, the question is, how do we get there? How do we keep from drifting away? Well, secondly, I want to talk about this, a word of instruction, and this word is to give the more earnest heed. The author of the book of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, commands the readers to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. This, this, this phrase, give the more earnest heed, is written in the present active voice. Okay, we know that the New Testament was written in the Koine Greek language, and it's very specific. And this word, being written in the present active voice, the author is writing to tell us that there is no intended end for us to stop giving the more earnest heed. So these words written in the present active voice gives us our daily Christian agenda. We must be giving the more earnest heed. So what does this word earnest heed mean in the Greek? Well, it has the idea of excessive alert and excessive careful consideration. Excessive alert and excessive careful consideration. And you ask yourself, so what are we supposed to excessively be alerting ourselves of and excessively being careful to consider? The author writes, to the things that we have heard. Now, I love the book of Hebrews because it's all about the excellency of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. And in context, chapter one has just been written and has just been read and heard by the audience. And the author says, therefore, so tying in the idea of chapter one, 
we have to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. And chapter 1 is all about the excellencies of Christ. Actually, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, there are 10 excellencies of Christ that I have mapped out. We see, and take note, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the 10 excellencies of Christ, that Jesus is God's final word. Jesus is God's final word. You know, God used to speak in various ways and in various times to the fathers by the prophets, but has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the final word. Notice also that Jesus is the appointed heir of all things. He's the appointed heir of all things. He's also the creator of the planets, number three. Number four, he's the brightness of God's glory. I love that. The brightest part of God's glory, that is Christ. He's the express image of God's person, number five. Number six, he's the upholder of all things by the word of his power. I love this. Because number seven, he's the perjurer of our sins, and he's doing this as he's number eight, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. I love this picture of Jesus, how he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. He's purging our sins, and he's doing it in a seated position. Can you imagine what happens when Jesus stands up for his bride? It's going to be amazing. Number nine, the the ninth excellency of Christ is that he's better than the angels, better than the angels. And number 10, he's an obtainer of a more excellent name than they. So the author is writing in chapter two, we have to pay attention to Christ, the things that we have just heard lest we drift away. And I love that our church's tagline is Calvary Vista, simply Jesus, right? Because it's all about him. You know, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So the author writes to struggling Hebrew believers and to us today, that giving excessive alert and excessive consideration, careful consideration to Jesus will keep you and I from drifting. This is how we persevere. This is how we keep from drifting. How, how do we do this? Well, I mentioned my friends who are not walking with the Lord from Bible college, and, and a common trait that I found in all of their lives was a lack of spiritual discipline to feed themselves in God's word. You know, reading, reflecting, meditating, and being obedient to God's word is a life that is being excessively alert to Jesus. You know, and I love that Calvary Chapel, we give such a high priority to the word of God because it is God's primary vehicle in showing us his son. Hey, if we're supposed to be giving excessive consideration and excessive alert to Jesus, we have to be in God's word. Because in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says this, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. So the scriptures are testifying of Jesus. If we want to give careful consideration to the things that we have heard, the excellencies of Christ, we have to be in God's word. You know, I love this story in Luke chapter 24, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he's, he's speaking to some disciples as they're walking, and in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says this, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Man, we have to be in God's word, because in God's word, we find Christ. We find Jesus. And guys, we should not take lightly God's word because it's not just another book. 
I know we have the, the temptation to think, oh, you know, I have like five Bibles, w- what does it matter? But when we were in the Philippines a month ago, you know, some people were receiving the Bible for the very first time. And, and when they received the Bible, they were so enamored by it. They were so in love with God's word. And it reminded me not to take lightly God's word because it is not just another book. Mapped out quickly, I've, I have six things that the word of God is described by the Bible itself. You know, if you want to know what the Bible has to say about the Bible, look at the Bible, and, and you'll see six descriptions I've mapped out for us tonight, really briefly, just for us to remember the importance of God's Word. The first thing that, that is describing God's Word is that God's Word is inspired by God. Yes, it was penned by over 40 human authors, but the overarching uh, author is the Holy Spirit, and it's inspired by God. And In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says this to Timothy, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Number two, God's word is living and it's powerful, and it's sharp, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. The author of Hebrews, in, in chapter 4, 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says God's word is like a mirror, right? In James chapter 1, verse 23. I love how the psalmist in Psalm 19 describes God's word. God's word is perfect. It's sure. It's able to convert the soul of a man or a woman. Read this in Psalm 19, 7 to 11. I jot that down. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than they are gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The fifth reminder of God's word, how it describes itself, is God's word is eternal. Man, it's, it's current for us today. It's eternal. It's never going to be outdated. It's eternal. It'll last. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The last reminder of God's word and how it describes itself. This is heavy. Number six, God's word is exalted above his name. That's crazy. You think of that. Jesus is the name that saves, but God has elevated his word above his name. In Psalm 138, verse two, the psalmist writes, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Brothers and sisters, if we're not giving careful attention to the word of God that shows us Jesus, we will be drifting away. We will not have the strength to persevere. We will find ourselves swept up in the current of the world, led by our flesh and our emotions, and we will drift away. We will have no power to persevere. Let's talk about this, though. The third thing, a wonderful grace. Man, grace changes everything. We talked about drifting. We talked about giving heed. Now let's talk about the grace that will empower us to persevere, the grace that will empower us to be in God's word. 
And I know I'm talking to a mixed audience, and I know some of us have been steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. You have been an example of perseverance in this time. But I know many of you have drifted, and you feel so far away from Christ. I love what Grace says. Grace says, you don't have to earn your way back You don't have to swim back to the landmark yourself. Grace screams, it is finished. All your responsibility, all our responsibility is to surrender and to confess our sins to the Lord. Grace screams, it is finished. You don't have to earn your way back. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. You can count on this. He is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And guys, grace says you can't earn this. All you can do is accept this. This wonderful grace, it empowers us. Understand this too, church. It will always be more convenient to drift. Okay, that's just a fact. It's always going to be convenient to drift away. But brothers and sisters, we are not called to convenience. We're called to the cross. We are called to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow him. This quarantine doesn't change anything. This has been uh, the description of discipleship and following Jesus ever since he walked this earth over 2,000 years ago. We're not called to convenience. We're called to the cross. We're called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. We're called to be strong, not in our own strength, but in his grace. And notice this, that this all happens in the realm of faith. You know, during this time, we're going to have to confront our feelings. We're going to have to confront our feelings of not wanting to persevere. We're going to have to bring them to the Lord and move past them into the realm of obedience fueled by faith. Guys, the cross will never feel good. But in the realm of faith, that is where we operate in God's grace. And let us have the heart to say like Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We talked about a lot of things this evening. We talked about a warning, and we reflect on why a warning is given by the Holy Spirit. A warning is given because we have a loving Heavenly Father who has written boundaries for us so that we don't go to our downfall. It's coming from a heart of love, not restriction. There's a warning given to us. There's an instruction given to us. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard and the things that we see in Scripture, lest we drift away. And we talked about the amazing grace that empowers us to be in God's Word, to seek His face, to move past the realm of feelings into the realm of faith, and to serve Him well. Well, what does this mean for us tonight? As we think about some application and reflection, ask yourself this. Family units, you can gather around and you can ask each other this. What can you do tonight to help you better persevere tomorrow? You know, what distractions do you need to confess and repent of? And ask the Lord for help in these areas. 
You know, I love what the psalmist says, hey, search me, O God, and know me. Try me and show me my anxieties and lead me in the way everlasting. When we have that heart of humility, grace comes and he is our instructor by the Holy Spirit to tell us, hey, these are the things that you need to let go of. These are the things that you need to confess, repent of. And, and, and we give them to the Lord and, and God gives us the power to obey him better. Ask the Lord to help in these areas. But maybe you're, you're in a spot where you've drifted so far that your heart is so hardened and you can't seem to hear his voice. I want you to pray this, Lord, make me willing to be willing. And then wait upon the Lord. Because those who wait upon the Lord, they will be strengthened. Again, grace screams, you don't have to earn your way back, prodigal. Drifter, you don't have to earn your way back. It is finished. Just come to Jesus. Let us have a resolve in our hearts that says unto the Lord, until you come back, Jesus, I will follow you with reckless abandon. Church, it's not a time to compromise. We know that compromise kills. Church, it is not a time for us to lay back and be lazy. It is a time for us to persevere. Unto the Lord, in obedience, in the realm of faith, let us have no retreat. Let us have no reserves. Let us have no regrets when it comes to following Jesus. Let us persevere until we see him face to face. We're going to be entering into dark times, dark seasons. I know that. We watch the news and we're going to be experiencing a lot of death. We will be tempted to turn back. We will be tempted to give up. But I pray that you would not drift, that you would stay close to the heart of God that you would be in such an intimate relationship with Jesus that everything else just fades away. I pray that you would have your eyes focused on him and that grace would meet you in your everyday life to keep on keeping on. Let us continue to honor Jesus by persevering until we see him face to face. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your word. Lord, we pray that we would have a short leash when it comes to you. I pray that you wouldn't let us drift too far before we realize that we have gone too far. I pray that you would just keep us so close. I pray a blessing of conviction over our hearts, Lord, that when we are tempted to compromise, that you would remind us of your goodness, that you would remind us of the beauty and the excellency of Christ. Lord, we are, we are forgetful people. We are leaky vessels. We're always <laughs> depleting our energy and we need to be strengthened by you. We need to be reminded of you by you. So would you do that? And in this time of family worship together, together at home, would you be glorified? Would you fill each living room and make it a sanctuary? And would you continue to abide in that place? Be with our families, Lord. We love you and we thank you. Thank you that you love us. Help us to keep on keeping on, Jesus, for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.